There is a second daily exercise for building self-esteem that recently has been employed with considerable success by athletes. It is variously called mental rehearsal, imaging, visualization, and visioning, and it is anything but a new discovery. The idea is as old as the Bible. Here it is. Replace fear of failure with clear pictures of yourself functioning successfully and happily. In October 1979, Dr. Charles Garfield, an associate clinical professor at the University of California School of Medicine, attended a medical symposium in Milan, Italy. There, he got into a conversation with some European scientists who had spent 20 years and millions of dollars doing research on how to train athletes for optimum performance. After they talked into the night about the scientists' discoveries on the power of guided imagery, Dr. Garfield became very interested and offered himself as a research subject. The group woke the local gym owner at 2 a.m. They had convinced Garfield that they could substantially increase his weightlifting ability merely by using certain psychological techniques. First, he bench-pressed. With great difficulty, 300 pounds while hooked up to their sophisticated monitors which were measuring brain waves, the heart, and muscle tension. They asked how much he thought he might lift if he were in a meet and strained his highest capacity. He replied, maybe 310 pounds. They then put me through some very deep relaxation exercises, says Garfield and asked me to imagine my mind successfully lifting not 300 pounds but a 20% increase. After 40 minutes of what seemed to be very repetitive mental rehearsal, they asked me to try the barbell on which they had placed what looked like a lot of extra weight. After one false start, I made the lift considerably easier than I had made the 300. It was not until then that they told me I had just bench-pressed 365 pounds. According to their calibrations, they thought they could easily take me up to 400, but did not do so out of deference to my out-of-shape muscles. The process used by these sports psychologists is based on the fact that we do not think in words, but in pictures. So athletes play movies over and over in their minds, movies in which they see themselves hitting the perfect drive or soaring over the bar. This technique is equally valuable for the person with low self-confidence. In order to succeed, you must see yourself succeeding. In order to become more confident, you must picture yourself as a person with high self-esteem. You play movies of yourself approaching a difficult challenge and you see yourself coming to it with poise and confidence. Can we burn such pictures into our minds powerfully enough? They become a part of the unconscious and we begin to expect to succeed. Some Christian writers recently have attacked this mental imaging as being somehow occult and non-Christian, but nothing could be further from the truth. The scriptures admonish us again and again to pray with faith and explain that the answer to our prayers will be in proportion to our belief. This way of seeing, 
the event occur is one very concrete way of exercising that faith. We who have long downgraded ourselves also play movies in our minds, but the movies are ones of failure. We play over and over the scenes of past disasters, and when we are facing some challenge, we worry in the same way. Remember, the mind thinks in pictures and symbols, not words. So, as we worry, we are seeing scenes of ourselves failing. We can sometimes be quiet, vivid in imagining this failure. We see ourselves embarrassed, flopping, standing with egg on our faces. The rerunning of these tapes in our heads becomes a habit and it then affects all our behavior. Norman Cousins once wrote, People are never more insecure than when they become obsessed with their fears at the expense of their dreams. Let's say you are headed for the office and you know it's going to be a busy, demanding day. As you drive to work, it is easy to begin picturing what it will be like. People with jangled nerves, a lot of problems coming at you thick and fast. You will be stressed and fatigued, the afternoon will drag, and you won't be able to wait until quitting time. The movie is playing in your mind as vividly as if you were sitting before a television screen. Someone has said that we may not get what we want but we will get what we expect. And if we expect to have a terrible day filled with tension and problems, we'll very likely have just the kind of day we pictured. If, on the other hand, we can vividly see ourselves enjoying the challenges of the day, working without strain and tension, enjoying the people with whom we are associated, laughing at certain incongruities when they come, and successfully dealing with a multitude of difficulties, it is much more likely that our day will resemble that picture. Louis E. Tice, head of Pacific Institute, calls this law of focused attention. What you hold in your mind is what you move toward. Tice goes on to say that important questions are ones such as these. How do I want my future to look? How would I picture my marriage functioning at its best? What will our new house look like? Just how would I picture an ideal evening with my family? How do I see my business operating ideally? Since we are like living magnets, if we can picture these scenes strongly enough and often enough, they have an uncanny way of coming true. A famous restaurateur was asked, When did you start to succeed? I was succeeding when I was sleeping on park benches, he replied, because I knew what I wanted to do and could picture my successful restaurant and exactly how it was the best dining establishment in town. It was simply a matter of time before the picture came true. Thomas Watson Sr. was 40 years old when he became general manager of a little firm that made meat slicers, time clocks, and primitive tabulators. He recognized the potential of a machine for processing and storing information. A computer 
a decade before its first commercial use. To match his mission, he soon renamed his little company International Business Machines Corporation. When asked toward the end of his life at what point he envisioned IBM as being so huge and successful, he answered, Right at the beginning. A man named George Lopez told me of his years of growing up in a barrio of Los Angeles. He said that he lived to fight in those days. I would drive down to San Pedro, the port area, park my Ford and lean against it waiting for some gang member to pick a fight just so I could sharpen my skills. In high school, I never studied, so I made mostly C's and D's. Then, when I was a senior, a couple of my friends said they were going to college. College? What's that? I asked. Well, college, that's where you go after high school. They shrugged. So I decided I'd go to be with my friends, and the next fall found myself in El Camino Community College. I had no study habits and cut classes just as I always had, so within a few weeks I was on my way to getting dropped. It was okay with me until a history professor, Donald R. Haydu, took an interest for some reason and began to talk to me about my possibilities. No teacher had ever talked to me like that before. Through some complicated maneuvers, I decided the next semester that I was going to be a doctor. I'll never forget the day I decided that. I had figured out that it would cost $55,000 for the education and I had 44 cents in my pocket. My father was opposed to my going to college and had already told me he wouldn't help, but I knew that somehow, some way, I was going to become a doctor. When I took organic chemistry, I was far behind all the other students, so I would read the chapter ahead of time, then go through and try to work the problems. Then I tried to work them backwards. I still didn't understand much of it, but kept going over and over the material so that when I walked into the lecture, I'd gone through it three or four times. Then, hearing the lecture, I'd ask good questions and it would fall into place. I'd go to school at 6 a.m. and would not leave the campus until the library closed at 11 p.m. Walking home at night, I'd picture myself as a doctor. George Lopez, M.D. I'd see myself examining patients and operating. I'd picture my name on the door, George Lopez, M.D. And I'd see myself bringing about new medical advances. Over and over, I'd play those tapes and that... I'm convinced was what enabled me to wake up early the next morning energized. The result? George Lopez, N.D. finished his medical education with distinction, soon became head of a large group of practicing physicians, and now owns the company that markets six medical patents which he has developed and which will save thousands of lives in the next decade. Thank you.